Welcome to Circles Off, episode number 69. The big 6-9. Jared Allen, famous 69. Uh, David Bakhtiari, left tackle of the Green Bay Packers. You know who tried to wear it? Dennis Rodman. Yep. Yeah. Did he try? Yep. Yes. He asked what for What about 69. the NHL? Um, NHL, I, I can't think of anyone. MLB was Bronson Arroyo. I believe Doug the Thug Glatt wore number 69. Greg McKegg wore 69. A very unfamous NHLer, but if you're in the local Toronto market, you would remember that. Traded for Zach Hyman. Yes. But, uh, yep, this is a milestone episode. Was Dougie Glatt 69? Yeah. Doug Pick Glatt. 69. Yep. It's hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, uh, I think that's it. But so no NBAers. I mean, I'm sure there's way more than that that I'm not forgetting about. But Bakhtiari's a legend for those beer chugs. Bakhtiari is a legend. I'd like to see him back on the field at some point. Yeah, they need him. They need him uh, in some capacity. So, um, are we ready, ready for the guests, or uh, can I rant on this Bills uh, first touchdown thing? Sure, go go for a rant, and then we'll we'll bring in our guests for the week. Nice. I was smiling ear to ear. I saw a video on Twitter um, for everyone who watched this past uh, couple days ago. Buffalo Bills first touchdown. Reggie Gilliam. Hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. Um, caught a screen out the backfield, slipped a tackle, ran into the end zone. A lot of people had first touchdown tickets on that. You could got them at uh, plus ten thousand. Some some even better than that. But what I want to say is. This video I saw made me smile so much because this is literally what gambling or like for fun. And this is the fun of gambling. So it was like some sort of college, maybe like a little frat house or like a college house somewhere in the U.S. And um, it was like these kids, probably 21, 22 years old around there. They all bet Reggie Gilliam first touchdown. They got it at plus 7,000. So I presume it was, that was the DraftKings number. So they're probably in a legal state. They bet on DraftKings plus 7,000. Didn't get the best number. Obviously, they should have. Didn't care about that. They probably bet, uh, whatever, I'm estimating here. They probably bet like $5, which is completely fine. College kid. Bet $5 on a first touchdown, Reggie Gilliam. They videotaped it when they were in the red zone. And we've all been there. You see your guy on the screen like, oh, because you have a big long shot. You just hope he's on the field in the red zone. That's right. really all you can ask Yeah, for. exactly. So they're like, oh my God, he's there. I see him. All right. I see him. He's on the screen. He's on the screen. He catches it. It does not look like he's getting in the end zone. Looks he's, like he's going to get dusted three like yards behind the line of scrimmage. Looks like he's going to get dusted. They're all going nuts. He slips the tackle. They're like, go, go, go. He runs into the end zone. They all cash their bet. They're obviously going a buck wild, hugging each other, jumping up and down. They're, they're videotaping it. And the reason I'm like, I love that. So they probably won 350 bucks, 300 bucks, something like that. Who, who knows? Maybe 700 if someone bet a tenner. But what a cash because they will never forget that for the rest of their lives. Like you will, they will be 50 years old. They will be 80 years old talking to their grandkids or 50 years old talking to their kids about sports betting. And they will, they will never forget that they hit this random guy, Reggie Gilliam, who no one probably will ever have heard of by that time. Yep. Uh, no one will remember. And they'll be like, we had him to hit the first touchdown and this is what happened. And they'll show that video and like, it just legit. That is what it's all about, man. That is so much fun. Yeah, it's the sense of community with sports betting, like win together, lose together. We've talked about this with content creators before, some that are able to, to grow massive followings even though they consistently lose at picks. It's because people want to bet together and have those experiences, whether it is win or lose. Now, obviously, the win is way better. Um, it, the bets, at the Betstamp office, uh, we've talked about the pinata picks that Sports Interaction does on, on this podcast before, uh, but we, we won a, a big one with Scotty Scheffler where... 
everybody who like people who are not even golf fans are now watching the final round on Sunday live updates via telegram chat. People are going nuts. Scheffler hits an amazing shot out of the bunker on 18 and we're not even together, but you can feel the excitement that everyone is going through at that moment. Now, obviously there's an added element when everyone's together, you know, everyone's slapping high fives. One guy, you know, probably gets punched in the nuts as a joke or something like that as, as friends like to do or whatever. But yeah, it's, you know, it's, it's amazing. That type of experience it doesn't really get better than that. There's one thing winning at sports betting on your own, celebrating with a group of people uh, who all cashed on the same bet. It's, it's fantastic. Like I, I used to do that with my buddies every, every year on Thanksgiving, we pick a, a, like a first touchdown score, long shot, and we all ride it together. Um, Like I'll even remember we hit some dumb ones. They weren't even that long odds. Like we hit Adrian Peterson when he was on the lions, like what a cash. Like, let's go Adrian Peterson. No, not even a good bet, just a dumb, you know, you're going to lose money on it. <laughs> I even remember one time we had tight ends, tight end at the time, Anthony Ferkser. He oh, still plays right yep. now. But this was before he was even, like, getting any snaps. And we had Ferkser for uh, first touchdown. And he didn't catch it. Didn't even get a – I don't even think he got a catch in the game. But he was in the red zone and got a red zone target in the end zone. He didn't <laughs> catch it, but he had a red zone target and we were going just that alone. I won't even forget. We were going so nuts. Yeah. Now it's the, it's definitely the year of the fullback. Now it's the fullback resurgence in, in terms of, of uh, first touchdown score, anytime touchdown. Score. Yeah. It's, it's actually <laughs> getting uh, uh, kind of nuts now, but uh, NFL betting is great. I'm glad to have football back. Uh, we have been listening to your requests uh, for those who are in the uh, bet stamp discord. Uh, all the the advice um, and you know guest requests that you've had for Circles Off. Before we get into our guest here this week, once again, this episode of Circles Off sponsored by the Power Rank Sports Betting Newsletter. Valuable, concise, and entertaining. Doctor Ed Fang makes this his three goals with each correspondence, which mostly covers the NFL and college football. Ed is a personal friend of myself and Johnny's, and he's a data scientist who has informed my betting with his work. Check out the newsletter at thepowerrank.com. Back onto the guest train this week as we're going to welcome in um, a great tennis better, great soccer better, someone who I don't know a whole lot about. So this should be uh, for inter- make for some interesting stories. Joey Isaacs now joins us on Circle Off, Circles Off. We are now joined by professional sports better, Joey Isaacs. That is an alias. We'll get into that. You can follow him on Twitter at Joey Isaacs, J-O-E-Y-I-S-A-K-S. Joey, thank you for joining Circles Off, episode number 69. I'm, I'm thrilled to be here, guys. Thank you so much for having me. I uh, really enjoyed listening to you guys, especially that Simon Hunter one. That was epic. <laughs> That's, oh, we appreciate Yeah, that. we appreciate the compliments. That that episode did blow up, and we uh, you know, we got a lot of, of good feedback on that one. You I think, think we should do more of those? Is that good uh, good content? Amazing. I, I think it's the best. And and if I ever am coming off in this episode, like remotely like that, please just, just uh, I don't, me. <laughs> I don't, I don't think you will. Um, Imagine we had to do a roast of one of our own guests after the fact that would, would we have like we're, we're watching our, the interview we gave and then just roasting the answers. <laughs> <laughs> that, that would be pretty epic. That yeah, would be pretty, we would be bad. Hosts I, I take it. <laughs> no, I don't think that's going to be the case. Um, but I guess, honestly, first question for you, Joey, just, uh, if you want to give like a brief overview background of yourself, how you got like started in betting what you're betting right now, just, uh, give us the works. Like, let's hear it. 
Yeah, there's like a like a first date. Uh, so yeah, so I I started betting like you know like like everyone like super young though like probably like ten years old, eleven years old, like going like parlays and and then uh, I kind of got into the whole poker boom and so I stopped betting sports and then played 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 some college sports so I didn't do it and then after college I just started uh, you know betting all the time and really loved it and I was I was like a complete square always you know parlays and all that so I think that that's actually helped me as I've gotten to where I am now to understand like what it's like to lose what it's like to not know anything and and I think that's really helped me like form partnerships with these people who want to like learn and do that and you know I can relate to everything that they're going through because I have been like a losing player um years on on your end so i have a very similar story to you i mean you've probably heard, heard me talk about it before but on your end what what was it that like allowed you to switch from being a losing better to a winning better like was there some sort of internal light bulb moment that you had where it's like i can no longer do this i have to do this instead or was it just something that developed over the course of many years uh it took a long time honestly like i learned from just handing accounts for like probably like I started doing that when I was like 24 25 so like 12 years ago and and that's when I realized like this this is nothing like what I'm doing I'm gonna just not bet myself and I'm just gonna you know kind of perfect a craft of like okay how can I just get as many accounts as I can and what type of business model works for me in terms of like should I be taking risks should I be taking a free roll and you know because I didn't have much money so that was like what I was trying to do at that point and I think you know everything everyone has to learn for themselves but like it it was really easy 10 12 years ago like especially because my friends were all young and betting sports now they don't it's harder as like a 37 year old to get accounts but I was like one of the only people at 24 who could actually like who bet sports who could like form a social sentence like some of these people are just so socially awkward and not good at getting accounts and I kind of perfected a craft of like coming off as like a idiot and I just accounts started rolling in and got it I mean it is a it is a it is a, a skill that's needed I would say for and, sure how was the LA scene there so were you always in LA yeah born and raised I'm a unicorn I'm like one of the only people I think that have lived in LA for now 37 years almost. Well, good, good shit. So how was the, how was the scene there? I guess growing up, like, was it most, I mean, LA, for those who don't know, obviously in California, it's one of the few um, major States remaining that has not yet been, uh, you know, given the green light on regulated gambling. So you won't have the likes of DraftKings, Caesar and, and the rest. And uh, so obviously you have to rely more on the offshore space or, or other partnerships. So how was that kind of growing up? Yeah. So right now I am almost I would say like 80%, 85% PPH model. Like I'm trying to get as many counts and I'm trying to bet a lot of props and trying to fill in most, most of the other straights are just to keep accounts going. Like I've always felt like, okay, every single person with PPH accounts have seen like what RAS account, like bets look like. I want to like be different. I want to look different. So
<laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just to see what he says. It's an art. I mean, that's, uh, I think that's uh, really intelligent. Um, uh, you know, I don't do a whole lot of props betting myself. Johnny does. Um, just out of curiosity, because you talk about the majority of your bets being through PPH, 80, 85%, like you mentioned, um, and you do have a team, you're mostly hand betting. How would you say the distribution is of uh, picking off just bad numbers on like a specific PPH that you might see over the course of the day versus originating your own stuff and, and betting that everywhere? So it depends on the prop and depends on the site. And uh, if you're trying to like be, be like an, a new, you know, new guy in PPH, like it, you should focus on probably like one prop or one site. If you can't beat like Gotham or Yopig right now with props, like you're just, you're never going to beat anything. Right. So I think that's a good way to start. Like find like the one prop that works for you and try to scale that up. And then you can do some like, let's this year, like I've done a ton and I didn't in the past, but I've done a ton of uh, head to head total bases in baseball. Not just like the broken lines on like one bet Vegas, which I can, I can call them out, but like, that was so good for so long. And then Porter had to come on Twitter and just beg for it. And then two days later, they're, they're just removed from the site. I don't know if you guys saw that, but. Uh, I did. Yeah, I, I well, do have the summary, I guess, Rob. What well, I mean, the, Porter's been a guest on on Circles Off before one of the earlier episodes, which was audio only, um, probably in the first, somewhere in the 10 to 20 range. You can you can check out the discussion that we've had with him. But uh, I do really quickly just want to offer some clarity because this is a very nuanced, advanced discussion that we're having here. And some people might hear some words like one bet Vegas or yo pig or what Gotham and not have any idea what we're talking about. And these are just the terms for different paperheads. So most people who are betting and are acclimated to betting now, especially across the US, you're dealing with a lot of regulated sports books, the DraftKings, the FanDuel, so on and so forth. Paperheads, historically, you'd meet up with somebody, you'd give them cash at the end of the week, or they would give you cash. Um, and these are just different types of paperheads. So um, there's literally dozens upon dozens, but just to offer some clarity there for anyone who might not be in tune with what's going on uh, in the conversation. But um, essentially just more sports books is, yeah. is what it comes down to. And, and also, like, as Rob mentioned, the different paperheads, similar to how like DraftKings, FanDuel and PointsBet all have different odds. They would all have slightly different odds. Right. Um, right. So, so Joey first, first, actually let's start. I said, I was going to get to this off the top. Joey Isaacs is an alias. Why yeah. an alias for yourself for one? And number two, how did you come up with the alias? So when I started like giving accounts, I did it with a buddy uh, who is the most like scared of everything. He will do on Telegram a secret chat. It'll be disabled in two seconds. Like this was before Telegram, but like, so he started going by Joey. So I was like, well, if we're going to share accounts, I got to go by Joey too. And, and then I was like, I made us a Twitter account. <laughs> and then so we've, we've dissolved over the years. He was like, he literally grew up on my street he doesn't like sports he doesn't like betting but he just knew that like handing accounts off to sharps was like a way to make easy money mm -hmm. uh he never sweat a bet he would just be the guy who would have monday morning look at every site send a perfect excel sheet and be like all right let's settle up it's a grinder he's like making money love that yeah and and we kind of like went our separate ways because he got he's he now what he wants is like 
five accounts that are firing like 5,000 a game on straights, not moving lines and just wants to deal with that stress-free. And I would rather have like as many accounts as I can firing small props and lower market and dealing with annoying bookies and being stiffed and that stuff. But I don't have a wife and I mean, I do have a wife, but I don't have kids. So I don't have to worry about that annoying me yet. Well, fair enough. I mean, obviously it's, it's all about how far you want to take it and how much uh, you're willing to put in, in terms of work. So like hassle free is also going to mean less, less money for the most part. Um, and that's not just with sports betting. I feel like that's with everything. You know, you're always gonna have to deal yeah, with some sort I, of hassle. Any job. I will anything. say that. Totally. I will say I went to bet bash and I introduced myself as my real name without like realizing that no one knows me by Adam at all. And I'm like, Hey, I'm Adam. They're like, okay, cool. I'm like, we follow each other on Twitter. They just blank stared. I'm like, I'm Joey Isaacs. They're like, Oh, Hey, what's up? <laughs> um, Sorry. Do you so, give out your name now and stuff? Is that not a big deal to you anymore? Or you just, well, I've always, I mean like, I've always gone by my real name. It's just my Twitter account is just Joey Isaacs. And fair enough. Did you just I don't, make, I'm not you made like, the name up? Any meaning towards it? I, I guess that's a curiosity more, but any uh, meaning? Yeah. So he went by Joey. So I just went by fake name generator.com, typed in Joey, <laughs> got a last name, and went from there. And I'm not like, you know, I don't use Twitter like for anything other than like I am literally addicted to it, I think. Yeah. I don't really try to like, you know, I'm not posting plays. I'm not like sweating games, tweeting play by play. Like I mostly just do it like, because I like looking at people's tweets and, and you, you, I think there was like a point five years ago where you can really learn a lot. Like you can absorb so much good information every day on Twitter. I think we've reached the point where it is like a chest pumping with like since legals it's it's a chest pumping like dick like sorry not to use that word but like it's yep. a dick swinging contest now and it's like nothing really um educational is being and it's a lot of drama like this this tout's fighting with this tout res is fighting with this guy and like it's becoming a mo like a little bit exhausting. Yeah. I mean, I think you probably are at a level right now where it's hard to learn off Twitter and stuff like that. But for the most part, like for anyone new coming up, like there's still a ton to learn. The issue becomes more Joey. What you're saying is like sorting through all the garbage and the mess out there. Right. Because you're, you're going to get pulled a hundred different ways and you're like, Oh, this guy's winning. He posted a screenshot of that. He hit this touchdown bet. And then, you know, you don't really realize that that guy just had a lucky bet and whatever. And he's actually bust. And then, you know, mm -hmm. there's other people who aren't posting plays who are winning the most. So I think, yeah, you could still learn a lot right now, even just uh, beginning, like as a true beginner, you could learn so much. There's no real like articles that come out in like the newspapers that are about betting, you know what I mean? Or in the, not mm -hmm. newspapers anymore, but newspaper sites, same kind of deal. Um, just nothing comes out anymore. So you really have to learn like kind of on Twitter or I guess Reddit or other forums, YouTube, stuff like mm -hmm. that. Oh, no. I mean, the Washington Post had that article, like, and, and every article is the exact same. It's line shop. It's yep. to do this. And I'm actually honestly like not a, like I tell these beginners, like, I don't think you need to worry so much about price. And I think I'm in the minority on this. Like if you're betting $75, who cares if you're risking 92 or 94? Uh, like if you all, like the bet, just bet it. It's all relative though, right? Like someone who's only risking that amount that that $2 like would mean something to them. I, I get it. 
there is the, that argument about it. Like, you know, we get this from a $5 better all the time, right? It's like, oh, I'm going to mm-hmm. save myself 20 cents. It's like, okay, but over the course of this many plays, you're actually going to save yourself a total of $5, which is your standard unit. So why not do it regardless? But I think what, what happens is that they pass on something like that, like that because they find like, oh, my threshold is gone. It's a bad bet. And then they end up betting something different because you know they're going to bet something like we're not just going to sit on our toes and not bet tonight and then you know they bet something assuming they have value and well because oh they heard that betting against the patriots is sharp so they got plus seven and a half and they lose so for us the the reason why it's so important at the smaller stakes in my opinion is because it's same with like regular like life so if you have no money you're broke college kid, you waste all your money, spend anytime you get a hundred bucks, you blow it on a, a chain or something like that. Anytime you get a thousand bucks, you you blow it on nice clothes. When you do eventually do have money, you're going to do the same thing. You're going to blow it. So it's more like instilling the value at the smaller scale gives you the chance to grow. So if you're a $5 better and you're like, I can't bet if you're a $20 better and you're like, I can't bet minus one twelve, I got to look around and open up a new book and then have that in my arsenal. So I could get a minus Oh nine. That is now the same thing that's going to help you actually instill the, like you're going to, you're going to start winning and then you can grow. If you're like, ah, it's only five cents. Then eventually you're gonna be like, ah, it's only 50 bucks. It's only 500 or you may never get to that spot. I, I, I just feel like if you're a $5 better, you should be looking at trying to also get like wins. Like if you think like you should add in like minus three hundreds, like minus, like you should add in like stuff like that. I guess what you're like, what you're saying is like, your bank account is a hundred dollars. So you shouldn't be doing that. But like, yeah, I, I'm a big fan base. of like, find win, like find, like if you're really small, find, just find wins. You, I mean, listen, you could, it's just more along the lines of for us, it's like, how are you, how do you, are you ever going to scale it? If you don't have the correct principles in the, in the small scale, right? You, you need totally. to learn that in order to actually become someone who's going to make thousands or tens of thousands, hundreds of, th- hundreds of thousands. If you're like, yeah, that, you know what I mean? Like just because, so I, I would look at this as like every person who wants to do this seriously is running like a business, yeah. right? They're running their own business. Now, whether your business is a business that makes uh, 25 bucks a year and you're uh, yeah. a, a dollar better or whether your business is, you know, making 25 grand a year and you're a thousand dollar better, it's still the same. Yeah, I think my last point on this is I think what people that, that are saying what you guys are saying, forget how emotionally difficult it is for these people to lose like when they lose it it sends them on tilt and then they bet something stupid yeah yeah no fair enough straight losses i understand what you're saying when you're saying like bet a minus 300 you're not saying like just blindly bet that but you're saying like try to find something that's more likely to win so you get a win under your belt and then you're more motivated to like keep a winning record and stuff like that as opposed to dunking everything on like plus a thousand parlays and then going down and yeah. then going on tilt, trying to chase, go to the casino. I, that's exactly. all very good points. Yeah, that's just my, that's that's what I feel. But Yep. Um, just backtracking really quickly because you mentioned Bet Pash. That was, by the way, mm-hmm. our, our first ever interaction in person as well. You introduced yourself as Adam. I was like, oh, okay, nice mm-hmm. to meet you or whatever. And then I was at another event the day later and I'm like, oh, I heard Joey Isaacs is around here and some guy pointed you out. He's like, oh yeah, he's over there. I'm like, oh, I was like very confused. But anyways, this is yeah. a completely random story because that was our um, our first interaction. For these interviews, Joey, I do like um, I do like to go in like not knowing everything about a person, 
but also doing like a little bit of research. So what I tend to do is reach out to mutual acquaintances of yours and see if there's like anything interesting I can ask you about. And I reached out to people that might be in your inner circle or know you. And they said, you got to ask Joey about his Baccarat story uh, in London, apparently had like a huge score playing Baccarat or something. I actually don't even know if people are like, if this is a coordinated effort to mislead me into like asking you a dumb question or not. But from what I understand, you have a great Baccarat story to tell. Yeah, so it's a long one and uh, I'll try to keep it as short and sweet as I can. Basically, I went on like the biggest heater of my life, like in tennis betting. I know we wanted to talk tennis and a mutual friend was, I guess, tailing every single bet for a lot of money, like way more than I was betting at this time. He made a lot of money. And so we, he wanted to like introduce himself and we started texting. We started texting day and night. We started, you know, doing accounts together a little like and he wanted like 100,000 a bet kind of thing, like anything was on limits. And then we, we started having a lot of trouble uh, getting accounts and keeping accounts. And he then goes, we need to go uh, open up table games to get and lose and get high limits. So he goes, you need to go to Malaysia tomorrow and find anyone there who will fly to Las Vegas, sorry, fly to London with you and play Baccarat with, you know, I have an account with $6 million ready to go. So I was like, this is ridiculous. I'm not doing that, but I'll go on Craigslist of, you know, Malaysia and find it. And I do, I find this guy, Aaron Chong. He flies to London. We try to set him up with the counts, like the, you know, all these casinos were rejecting him because he doesn't have any money to his name. And you need to do what's called like a bank guarantee where they email your, like they send a little uh, one cent to your bank. The casino sends one cent just to verify funds. So it took about four or five weeks to get the Ritz to finally approve him for play. First couple of days he plays, he doesn't do, he does a fine. And then he's, he makes, you know, we bump up to like a hundred, 200 grand a, a hand and he makes the money into about 10 million. And then all of a sudden I was like, okay, let's stop. Cause I'm 10% free roll. This is life-changing money for a 25 year old. Yeah. My friend was like, we're not stopping. He gets, he goes fly to London. Like you got to watch this. And, he ends up making 24 million. Well, like from, from, from what specifically, like, are you able to say or no? Is it, sorry, like I, my question is mostly around, is, is he on a true heater or was there some sort yeah, of no, gaming it's a complete system? luck. Okay. It's a complete luck game, which is what the whole like purpose was. And then the story like gets really weird because like to get, not to get like too cultural, but like if he executes a cash out, it goes to, the third party, the guy who set all this up and they like Malaysians are like trained in their head to like not trust white people and they get cheated over. Like, and he was like, I'm never going to see a penny of this. You guys are going to take me out of the deal when you get your money. And so he's like, I need my percent paid in cash. And we were both like, I can't pay this guy 3 million cash. <laughs> right. like, I can't, I don't have like our money is tied up in, in this account. So it became like the biggest, like shit show in the world for months at a time we're just like sitting with this money in the ritz like account crazy stuff happened uh but i it, it just became a shit show let's just say that so they ended up getting paid out 
the it, 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 I got screwed out. I, I got screwed uh, for various reasons. There was like some lawyer legal effort and everything, but like, and it this whole thing ran deep. There are NFL players involved. Like, it, it was like, wow, it was a crazy story. All right. So, do you like, end up getting any money from it, or just get screwed on your percentage, or what? What happened? Or if you're able to say, well, I will say this: I went to a bank with a two point five million dollar cashier's check, and I've never been treated so well. <laughs> they, they have like nine people waiting on you. And I was just sweating. Cause I was like, I, this was like after legal battles. And I was like, I don't know if this is real. Like this guy, this is like shady stuff happening every day. And they, they were like, it's, they did everything to like authenticate this cashier's check. And it, they were like, it's real. And, and that was like the greatest second of my life. And then a few months later, all, you know, everything hit the fan and I ended up not getting it, but. Ah. Tough to hear. That's I mean, story. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, it was a real story. I was not set up on this in any capacity, but that's, uh, yeah, that's really interesting um, because, I mean, it's outside of the sports betting realm, of course, but also just the uh, amount of funds involved. And yeah, I think like the big, the, the, the question that goes through my head as you tell it is always like, well, was there like some sort of advantage play? Because um, there was the Phil Ivey situation, right? Where he got yeah. the casino to agree to using a certain deck of cards, which was marked cards, um, which swung the, I think Baccarat is usually like a 1% house edge, just over 1% or something yeah. like that, but swung things in his favor, obviously knowing that some cards were marked. And um, I, I wondered if it was a similar scenario or not. I mean, you don't have to comment on that, but... No, I've, I've, I'll tell you in a second what, what ended up happening, but uh, there is like, when you have high stakes, like if you're going to buy in for 500,000, you can negotiate with the casino a percent back. And that is, and if you can agree like to terms that are valuable to you, like I was reading a story, I don't know if you know about this guy, he would get the house to agree to like a 5 million buy-in dealer, uh, I think stays on soft 17 whatever the advantage one is and all these things. And, and it would be at 3 AM only mm -hmm. he would have. And, and uh, what he would basically be like hoping for is a dealer mistake because that, that pays out the player. So he would do all sorts of like crazy things, like hire a marching band, hire strippers to like distract the dealer and like try to get them to make one mistake through the play. Cause that's going to like change when you're getting 25% of your losses back, like change it to like his advantage he made millions but uh what ended up happening with me is that it turns out that the bank that funded everything was like shady and didn't fund any any of it so they were basically taking a free shot at the ritz ah. and that's ended up what happening got it so the uh, the issue came with the funding interesting yes so it, did anyone get i mean i guess we can talk this off the air but did, so you won the you won the 24 mil i think you said it was did anyone get that money yeah, Aaron. Aaron got it. Aaron got paid. Who is? Aaron? I'm still in touch with him. So he's he got he's 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 in New York right now. Uh, he got paid on the side, uh, and and I don't know all how it was funded. Uh, I know that some NFL players were involved. That's and they got scammed, mm -hmm. and that's kind of like when I started learning about this, I was like, I'm getting out. This is like. A little this is running like a little too shady and deep to, for me so 
Damn, that's crazy shit. So you mentioned off the off the top that this kind of started from just tennis betting. Um, yeah. And going on like an absolute just run. So uh, I guess if you want to talk more about that, you do, you are, uh, you know, known as a, a really top tennis better. Um, so just, I guess, talk about that. Like how did, how did that start? Were you originating? Were you moving? Were you, wh- how were you coming up with that? And are you still doing it? So, yeah, I did. I've done everything in tennis from originating based on mostly uh, like qualitative, like not, not through models, like, you know, just watching a lot of tennis and, and, and doing that and being like kind of connected into the, you know, the whole tennis world. And I've done like attempted to court side and, you know, you learn a lot that way. Like, you know, what is this like finding the slow umpires? Like this umpires always is notoriously known for like changing the score slow. I'm going to go to his matches, um, things like that. You know, I've tried it all in tennis and, uh, I don't bet that much tennis anymore. And my style is a lot different than Haru's who I know you mentioned is like, would you go head to head? I would go head to head with him in a real tennis match. We actually played, uh, but he's actually really good for just starting a year or two ago. Uh, so credit to him. And, oh, uh, so to add more context, talking about Haru Masayan, uh, a guest we've had on the podcast earlier um, in an earlier episode, episode 12, if anyone episode wants 12. to listen so, yeah, to that. He, he's a, a top tennis better as well. And then I guess Joey, so you, you, you played him in real tennis then. Yeah. We Are played you a tennis player? Tennis. I did. I played college tennis. Okay. So fair enough. You're, uh, obviously, you know, experience. Yeah. You mentioned Haru just starting a couple of years ago. That's cool. So in a, in a betting tennis match though, you're saying, yeah. w- would you go, would you go head to head or no? No, we're just, we're a lot different. Uh, he, he takes a lot more like underdogs and has a lot more like market influence. Like, you know, he'll send me a play and he'll take someone like plus 360 and it'll be like plus 220 by the time he sends it to me. And a lot of times, like, honestly, like no offense to him, but like, I will take the other side because yeah. I think he moves it too much. Wow. Uh, That's blatant disrespect. I tell him I was like like we were talking in the first round of Serena and and I was like this is ridiculous he because he was on the other side I was like this is ridiculous at this point I'm taking Serena uh but you know I look I look for more like right now like really inform favorites and I probably have like maybe two two three bet tennis bets a week and that's it so it's not a big part yeah, I mean, I honestly don't think he would take offense to knowing that somebody plays back on the other side after the line has moved that much. Oh, yeah, you're not getting the same bet as him. Yeah, so it's me not, and Johnny were talking about this on the last circles off, no. but when I first started betting baseball, I probably opposed the best group in market on like two-thirds of my plays because they were moving the, the market 50 cents on every single baseball yeah. game. It was creating value on the other side. Totally, and I think that's honestly like something that when you're learning, like when you're like, starting i i made the mistake 10 years ago like when i was hearing about like ed and ras and they would play a college basketball game you know minus three and i would play minus seven not knowing i'm like they must know so you know and i didn't realize oh i should be playing plus seven and i know people who do that and they they do really well and and it's not like a knock on them it's just like this this weekend when they released the rams first half under mm-hmm. like they moved it two two points or something game uh, an hour before kickoff. That's like ridiculous. So I know a lot of people that played the over twenty one uh, right after. Yep. So if you know 
especially if you know who's moving it, I think that's a big advantage. Like if, if you don't, then I think just blindly opposing it is a little harder. I actually strongly agree with that. Um, well, this is like the stuff that Porter has been talking about and all the discords as well. So I yeah, I, I guess let, we might as well get your thoughts on that because it is pretty, um, like, I mean, it flows with the conversation here, but Porter, I did look up the episode. He was our guest on episode 16 uh, at MLBK's psychic on Twitter. And he friend of the show, friend of the show. He recently tweeted the value. My neighbor. Is he your neighbor? Like he when you lives very lives. close to me. Oh, you guys are just clogging up the rich neighborhoods in the ritzy <laughs> LA. Where are, you? <laughs> Were you guys in Orange County or what? No, that that's not LA. I'm in, uh, I'm actually, I was in Santa Monica and now I'm in studio city. He's in like West Hollywood. Oh, the nice. Enjoy. You guys probably see some celebs all the time then. No. Uh, I actually do know a lot of celebrities from friends of friends and, uh, playing tennis with them, but you don't just see them on the street that often. Nah, fair I, enough. I believe Joey is good friends with, um, someone from one of your favorite shows ever, Johnny, which is Entourage. Who are you, who are you friends with? I'm friends with Jerry Turtle. You know, we actually almost had our own sports betting podcast last year. Yeah, no, I'm, uh, we, we discussed it, obviously. That would have been huge. Uh, cool stuff. Yeah, Turtle from Entourage. Jerry Ferreira, yeah, I believe we, is his name. Yeah, we're in, a, we're in a group chat, and we send our picks every week. And, and then our, our third friend, our mutual friend, Steven, uh, who like created Entourage, who I know Jerry through him, he will, like, at the end of the week, always say, how'd you guys do? And Jerry's like, I lost. <laughs> and, and it's like, but he tailed me on every play, and that's what I'm saying. He'll... He's the kind of guy who I'll be like, no offense, I love you, Jerry. I'll send him a college football play. And last year he would say, oh, I took minus 10. I'm like, well, I sent you minus seven. And it, they win by like seven and I push. And yep. And I try to like explain to him, don't do it. Like you're just, you're honestly better off taking plus 10, but. <laughs> is he a, so is he a, uh, a big time better? Like, I mean, not, not necessarily asking yeah. amounts or anything like that, but is he, is he really into it betting consistently or. I think he likes to bet NFL, uh, but he's, I think he's like $20. Got it. what he says. Yeah, just a recreational. No, we don't have to fun. include, I, I don't, have to we include We're not amounts. unit shaming or anything like yeah, that. Yeah, it doesn't no, matter. No, I was more talking like, is he into betting? Like, is he into sports betting? Like, because he- Yeah, he loves, I mean, podcast. he's very knowledgeable. His props that he does, and that's why I kept telling him, like, and this is what I tell everyone, like, he'll send me props and be like, these, I think these aren't sharp and, and they win. And I'm like, do your thing. Like, don't try to, you don't have to try to be like this sharp guy who's betting like, you know, that it's, it takes, you know, time to become like, like, I know you do first touchdowns. That's like an art. And I, if you don't know how to price them yourself, you're, you're just guessing. So just, just guess, you know, don't try to look for value if you don't know how to price them yourself. Yeah. yeah fair enough. I mean, that, I like that though. Cause even for uh, guys who watch the NFL, like you could find something on one specific market that you'll find and you'll be like, wow, I know this kind of thing. And then you just, just bet that one market. Like you could do that and bet 20 bucks and you could, and you could win. You don't have to be like the biggest bet, yeah. like a random thing, totally. like even just like, um, like a small market, like a number of extra points or something or like kicker points, yeah. like any, yeah. something dumb. Like no one's, no one is realistically betting like hundreds of thousands of dollars on kicker points. Cause you just can't get yeah. enough down on that. So like, it's possible that you could just find something and be like, yeah, I like, Evan McPherson's going to go over for like these reasons and they're kicking much and like all this stuff. Like you, there's probably something there you can find. 
Yeah, like I, I had an account once. I don't know who was even playing on it, but they would bet team to take the first penalty and first time out every single week and lose every week. But it made <laughs> me so curious. Like there has to be a way to beat this because obviously they think they can. And I, and I, I don't think you need to be a genius to like to beat that. And so I tell like I tell people like, hey, focus on like the most random thing, you know, bet it only and and go from there. Like you don't have to bet receptions. Yep. I'm taking Denver Broncos first time out blindly every game this season until, until they figure until out they, how to, how they can until, snap the ball before the until clock. they fire, until they fire their head coach. They like the, the amount of uh burn timeout so far, like those are egregious. I, I actually wonder though, like to, they to burn that, six to that point, last, I wonder if you week. could actually watch NF, every NFL game and just like actually chart how, how often they get the snap off right before the end of the play clock and stuff like that. And maybe there could be something there. No, but it's not even about that. It's about is the coach dumb enough to take the time out True. right away? And right. like he they burned dude, Denver was down in the game last week. They burned um, a timeout in the second half. They burned three timeouts <laughs> in the third quarter. You you can I saw that. You could literally never burn it. You can never take a timeout in the third quarter ever in, in the NFL. It's just the biggest I agree. Neg- you just can't ever take a third quarter timeout. Take a delay again. Especially not on like the ones that kill me are like first and ten timeout in the third yeah quarter. it's like just take the five yard penalty and run the, the same only play. time i would i would take a timeout on third and one that's it but also just like you can't burn that timeout like you can't you have to just run your play at third and one if you're down in the game the timeouts are so valuable um especially in if it's if you're down so they were down three points i think they were down nine six something like that and they burned all three timeouts and then on top of that they had to delay a game on a kick that Brandon McManus actually made, made yeah. but it, it didn't count. So they also had to punt instead of taking a field goal there. So whatever that, the, the, the mismanagement I've seen through two weeks, obviously I watched both, I watched both those games fully. One was the primetime game. The other one was a bet, a game I had a, a big bet on. So I ended up watching both those games like fully. And um, yeah, like I'm, I'm taking Broncos first time out. It's no it, doubt. You it's, had them in the, let's do it. You had them in the survivor, right? In Survivor, um, I had no. I did not have him in Survivor. I actually, uh, I'll come clean here. Circus Survivor. I'm out. I was out both my entries week one. It is what it is. I had uh, Cincinnati and San Fran week one. Both Cincinnati, in my opinion, was the like going into one o'clock, like going into kickoff on Sunday, was the the highest EV play, given that it was the lowest percentage of the pool. P- and part of the reason why being yeah, the, the rule, right? Of course, but um, yeah, like obviously. Baltimore probably would have started off. I've been like, yeah, that's the most negative EV, and that's the one major one that was a no sweater. Week one was tough. You, that's, what did you? I have? took Baltimore. That's I took Baltimore week one of Circa. That's so. Don't don't tell that out. to Brett Farr four four four. He no. might come knocking I, I on replied, your door. I replied him. I was like, yo, I took them, and you know, I I don't think like I just I don't think I'm smart enough to like project ownership. Project, you know, I just want to survive, and I don't think like what we perceive is like other than like the bills chiefs maybe a, there's one or two more teams like the rest of the teams could end up being decent they could end up being not that good so i don't think i need to save a team like denver no i, I, I agree. A good, like, a good... saving teams is typically always not, not, doesn't work out like it, it it rarely ever works out to save a team for a specific week with the exception of this circuit contest obviously like you have to play the thanksgiving so i feel like yeah just because of that, you kind of need to make some planning for Thanksgiving. But outside of that, regular survival pool, you shouldn't be saving teams for like week 12. You I'm, don't actually, know like I'm actually glad I did not know that. 
But yeah, so you have to you have to make a Christmas Day and a Thanksgiving. So if you like, for example, used all the six Thanksgiving teams, you're just out on I'm Thanksgiving. Out. Yeah, that's I'm, I. I no one has told me this rule, so I'm actually well, really no, glad. The first we did an entire episode on this with the first point being you need to understand the rules and read through all the rules twice and you're coming on like three episodes later well you're like, still good you only pick two teams so you're fine you're fine yeah, you yeah okay. that's interesting yeah to keep that in mind and then also christmas day is another one where you have to pick there's a few more games on that day i believe but um in- interesting stuff because like those are you're out you're out and it's not even about being out like if you took let's say you already used three of the favorites it's like you got to take like a six point dog like you might you might as well uh call it quits at that i think though joe you mentioned like not projecting ownership it's hard to do that and obviously like you want to survive and just win the pool but the way that the bet works that you're making is like the payout is unknown right so you you know that there's a six million roughly six point something million dollar prize pool right but you don't actually know what your prize pool is and by taking stuff that is less lesser owned if you can basically chart that out run a sim which is what, what we do you can improve your prize pool by a significant amount. So it's kind of like if you take the main ownership team every week and do survive, you're winning like 200,000. So you're, you're betting to win that. Whereas, I'll take it. Sure, of course. No, no, I got it. But it's still hard to do that, right? So like if you're, yeah. if you're then like taking lower ownership teams, you're, you're at a shot where you're winning like 6 million. Um, no, imp- increasing the prize pool is the same as like decreasing your odds of winning. So, so for me, I, I personally always try to project ownership, but what I've noticed, and I've been in survivor pools for a long time. Um, we've, we've kind of now reached critical mass on survivor grid. So there's a site out there called survivor grid that people consult for ownership and like for the EV and it's actually a solid site. It's a great, it, the, the site, don't get me wrong. It's really well put together. It, it, you know, it, it's projecting ownership what the point spread is on each game, calculates your EV on everything. The thing is, it's now too popular where like everybody is using that. So now they'll see the highest EV play on there. And -hmm. what I've noticed, especially to start this season, is that the projections that are publicly available don't come anywhere close to the ownership percentages. Johnny does his own like personally. Um, I mean, I'm going to have to to start going that route as well because no, but literally a waste. It's done after week one. Like talk about an right. absolute waste. Of time. Last last week, I thought the smartest play would be the Browns. Yep. I know. So and yeah, obviously one of Broncos them. last last week. It de- it's honestly really just dependent on um, the pool size as well, because I, I think I would think of this a lot differently if I was playing in a survivor pool with like 100 people. Like I would I would, yeah. it would completely change the strategy. I'd use I'd probably totally. go. The, the chalk every week in the hundred person, no yeah. matter what. Just biggest favorite. Or, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Like I would literally map it out and then just, uh, just pick biggest favorite every week. Yeah. Like you maximize the EV for the entire season by having the point spreads for the whole year and just picking. Mm-hmm. The, yeah. I mean, it, it, listen, at the end of the day, there's just so much luck involved in survivor anyways. Totally. And you know, I, people, people all the, you know, there was the, the, the Twitter thread uh, around the Hammer Survivor betting article this week, which is like, oh, you know, you recommended the team that ended up being the, the most favored. And it's like, okay, you know, week one, I would give up all my losing entries to have Baltimore, like plain and simple. Yeah. At the end of the day, yeah, okay, I made a decent bet beforehand. I'm fine with that. It's the same argument with closing line value, right? Where, you know, uh, Spanky would be of the opinion that like, I'd rather lose the bet and, and get the best of the number. I'd be like, no, like I would rather just win the bet and get the worst of the number. I mean, at the end of the day, I mean, I wouldn't want to do that consistently over time, Yeah. but like one week, 
you end up with Baltimore in hindsight ends up being an amazing play in week one, even though they were that highly owned because of the fact that all the other favorites lost. Right. And, and um, anyways, are um, you in the Circa millions as well? No, I've had trouble. So this is my first time doing survivor. Uh, so I was only, I was in a survivor league last year where everyone got 10 entries. So it's a lot different strategy, obviously. And that's where I'm kind of, I just did one entry this year. I've done the Circa millions uh, in this, the super contest before that and i just don't enjoy it and i have trouble with the proxy websites they're like made by three-year-olds and the like submitting things always hard so i just it's more stress i end up forgetting to submit my picks 90 percent of the time so just doing one one survivor this year and i'll probably honestly i'm having a lot of fun so i'll probably end up doing like four to whatever the maximum is next year just how you did in Circa Millions? My strategy would be different. Uh, I have three, three entries in Circa Millions. I think uh, seven and three, seven and three, six and four. Not bad. I think right now. I, I'm actually not confident oh, off nice. the top of my head, but um, that we had a lot of Green Bay this past week, which was nice, and uh, Philly on Monday Night Football, which was nice. So nice. I was sweating the primetime games. But right, I'm a little below you. I think I have seven and three, six and four, five and five. Yeah, I think, honestly, I'm you know, if I get lucky and win a bunch of coin flips, it is it is what it is. You know, I tried to avoid ja- Jacksonville was a free play this week, uh, essentially in Circa because the line was plus three. In reality, mm. uh, on the Circa entry, they were plus four. I tried to avoid it because my number was somewhere in between there, hoping that they would lose. I lost a free, basically a gimme on everything. But uh, it, th- there's so much strategy that comes into play. I hate the con- I honestly hate the contest. At the end yeah. of the day, I I, I literally. I'll enter them because there's the ch- the chance of the big payout, right? <laughs> but I I hate the weekly process. Like I'm racking yeah. my head and I'm like, what is the point of this? Like, I could spend three minutes, and that's what I did this past week. I just spent three minutes firing off random games. Yeah, fair enough. So uh, okay, back to back to uh, Joey here. Sorry to uh, we, we, we asked him about millions. the Porter question about um, because Porter. Well, yeah, we this has gone off the rails, but in a good way. I I like when it goes in different directions, but. Um, Porter, who was a guest on Circles Off before, recently tweeted about the value of CLV, closing line value today, not being equal to the value of closing line value five years ago and 10 years ago. Uh, And I know that you recently, you kind of retweeted that and quote tweeted that um, on your Twitter. Do you echo that sentiment? First of all, I just want to know your opinion on CLV as a prop better. Like, is it something that you're looking at on, on, on the regular uh, and then just your commentary on whether or not you think that the market nowadays is filled with, let's say, um, less respected or less uh, people who should be less respected than it was five, 10 years ago. Okay, so to the first comment, uh, I think Porter was a little uh, distraught about the FCS games Saturday and because I was texting with him during it. And uh, I think that spurred his tweet. And, and I think we were just, he was just saying to me, I hope this isn't like share oversharing. And he's going to be like, ah, what the hell? But he was basically like, I can just figure out what plays are going to go in like his accounts that are getting straights by just being on Spank odds and seeing the screen light up. And he's like, this is stupid. That was his like, kind of. Yeah, no gripe. shit though. Yeah, I mean, we could anyone yeah. could do that. Obviously, I mean, they, I, I could but, also see what like people, Rob's playing in hockey. Yeah, anyone. Yeah. So, 
but that's not different. Like, is, is that really different than five years ago? Like the biggest groups are always going to take the screen regardless. Right. I mean, the, the thing about CLV is like, you know, an FCS. Yeah. It's probably pretty stupid because like, you're not going to get like someone playing the opposite side against you. Like you, like if you release like, a, like if, if Ed released like Mississippi, like I know he's on like Mississippi state under 55, let's say this week if he released over 55 and it moved to 57, 58, someone smart is going to play the under right. really quickly, probably too. Like FCS is just not going to happen. So like, I don't, I don't, I think that something like that and then like something like props. Yeah. Like I've, here's my thing with props. And this is like, goes back to one of the first things that I mentioned is that 80% of what I'm doing right now is PPH sites. So I guess the, another small uh, part of the pie is I'm, I've started to give props to groups because I want more. And I will notice that there's one group I give to and I will give them minus 110, minus 120, whatever. It's minus 170 in five minutes. If, if I didn't do that, and sometimes I don't do plays to them and I end up having more than if I did give it to them because I just feel like blasting my own accounts as much as I can. And I'll end up with more than the 500 they get me. Uh, it doesn't move at all. So in that regard, what is like, you know, I don't consider CLV important in that case because I know why it moved. Yeah, no, fa um, fair enough. I mean, it's difficult with the props. So you don't really need to. Yeah, but so like we've we've talked about this before. Um, myself and Johnny, it's come up in the, the last few weeks and there's been some listener questions about it when we did the Q&A as well. And I think in major markets, at least, it's pretty efficient. Like you have a lot of people that are competing to get down big, big dollars. Mm -hmm. And I do think that generally, if a line moves too far in the wrong direction, there's going to be someone else out there that is going to hit it back the other way. Um, you know, and, and listen- I'll, That I'll, exists in football props. Right. So like Porter is being critical of Adam Chernoff at the end of the day. He doesn't reference him by name, mm -hmm. but he references him by the Twitter followers and so on and so forth. And, you know, having a, t a telegram chat and you should just reference him by name or they should have a conversation about it. But regardless, Chernoff will release a play in a, in a telegram chat and there's 6,000 people in there that are going to go and bet that play. Now, not well, there's some people in there are going to wait and then fade it. But. Sure. <laughs> Agreed. There are, right. but, but regardless, the market is going to move instantaneously, probably sure. going to move a point, sometimes more than a point, sometimes less if it's around a key number, whatever, but it's going to move. Now, this is not like, these aren't plays that are happening at 1259 PM Eastern on Sunday. These are, you know, there's a play that happened while we were recording today that came mm -hmm. out. Now, now the whole market is, if somebody wants to play back at that, they have all week to do that. And if someone does right. have value on the other side, then they're likely going to do that. So in my opinion, like to say that, oh, the closing line value is meaningless because there's people betting that, like he doesn't respect Chernoff. He thinks that he shouldn't have market influence. That's, I mean, whatever, that's his own prerogative. He can, he's entitled to that opinion. But to say that, okay, now he's just influencing the closing line. Well, there's a lot of time for someone to bet it back. The only scenario I can personally see is if, you know, maybe it moves far enough, but somebody might say, ah, you know, there's like a little bit of value in the other side, but not enough where I'm interested in getting involved and, and maybe his early bet influenced the close. But I have to think that that's few and far between. Yeah, like one thing, 
that he has said to me and we've talked about it a bunch that I think is one of like the smartest things and we share plays like we'll be like hey it's very rare for props to be on like everyone is on the same thing in the end of the day like it's very rare that we're on the opposite side I don't think that's like ever happened we might have some slightly different plays but like end of the day you're never on a different side of the same bet uh, at least in baseball uh that's that's where I do most of my stuff but what I think he's saying is that, at least to me, when we've talked about this, is he thinks that people like Pat McAfee and like those people have market influence. And it's like, and I don't really see that. Like, I do think, at least talking to someone at FanDuel, like, and I forgot who, but like, he'll say something and 60,000 people play his play, which is insane. But sure, that might move FanDuel. That's not number. moving anything. Like, well, I've- I mean, it doesn't really move because FanDuel doesn't move on action. That's the issue, really. Yeah, and and, I, and out of those sixty thousand people that play it, probably a lot are under a dollar or two dollars. Yeah, yeah, and, sure. and a lot of them have accounts that are profiled elsewhere that are like, we're not going to move this number because this person totally. is not, you know. The so, same thing with Jake Paul's new pod when they're giving out some stuff. You know, I I know a lot of people were giving that guy uh, crap, that Marco guy. That video surfaced. I find him entertaining. I'm not going to lie. Which I listen to guy? some of that. The Marco Parlay guy. Oh, Marco Parlay. Don't know. I've listened to I... it. People were giving him shit for the like. Uh, he, they one guy bought a point. Did you watch this video? I did not, but um, perhaps Zach could pull it up. We can watch it live on air and critique it. Maybe it will. It might show up on a tweets that trigger us segment. No, at let's some point. Let, let's do it now. This is a perfect perfect chance. So, so this says, is like, what, what's oh, the video? Do you have it? How long is the video? Let me find it. How long is it? It's like a minute or no? Very short. Okay, let's watch it on air. Chargers versus Chiefs, uh, minus three and a half the Chiefs. Over under 54 and a hooker. This might be the most watched game of the year. And I mean that because who doesn't want to see Justin Herbert go against Patrick Mahomes in a divisional matchup? I think this game should get blasted on the over. I think there'll be 60 points, 70 points scored. But that also makes me think, should I take the under? Do these teams know each other now? Like, is that a trap? You mind on telling us who you like in this game? I I think I'm leaning currently at getting an adjusted line at plus seven for the Chargers. I really like the Chiefs this weekend. I like it bought down to three. You like the Chiefs? Get yourself some some field goal value at that half point. Yeah. Oh, they middled it. Chiefs. (laughs) Right? They did middle it. They middled it. The the guys middled it on that. on who okay. got the touchdown? Josh Palmer. By the way, though, that video is hysterical because it has all of like the gambling tropes, right? It's like I love the over. Does that mean I should take the under? I, you know, I write that to us every <laughs> week. <I'm> <laughs> so in 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 our our bet stamp Telegram about, yeah, every week, last week. Yeah, Johnny just kind of writes like a, a pure like square description of why he likes a game. And he always does stuff like that where it's like, oh, everything's pointing to this one side. You got to go the other way type of thing. (laughs) But the field goal value comment is the best. I love the Chiefs so much this week that I'm going (laughs) to buy a half point, which is hilarious. Get that field goal value. Um, What did they win? What did they win by? Three or four? They won by exactly three. Oh, so they... No, three, oh. because uh, what, 27, 24. Yeah, three on that Palmer touchdown. On the Palmer the touchdown, and, yeah. The backdoor cover by Herbie with, yeah. the, with the broken ribs or whatever. Yeah, no, so crazy. Yeah, that's funny. That's the ultimate um, That's the ultimate rookie move is to be like, 
Yep, this game is every this game is for sure going over. Like, how is the total not 60? It doesn't make sense, which makes me think I'm unloading on the under, <laughs> lock it in official pick. On yeah, like that's literally like what people used to do. That, that that's so common. But so so sorry, Joey, we're cutting you off here. What was your your no. thoughts on this? You like this? So you're you're I, saying you kind of enjoy this? I enjoy it because they're not guys who are trying to sell you something that they're not. They're two guys who like to bet football and one of the guys has a lot of money you know where the money came from is not betting i don't think he, he tries to pretend that and he's just entertaining he's good energy he's you know he's not trying to come off as this guy who's in the lab and all these things and crunching numbers it's it's fun it's it's refreshing almost yeah i mean that's fair enough i i appreciate that as well there's obviously a market for this type of content right like we look at what gets consumed in the space lots of stuff that's more casual like this gets consumed um, for me, it's, yeah, it's just a matter of whether the hosts are, are representing themselves as experts or not. And I think that's where, you know, I think of myself when I was in my early twenties, right? I was buying tote packages. I was scrolling through Twitter. If I saw someone was like on a five game win streak, I'd be tailing their bets. Like I, I, you don't yeah. know any better when you're not educated in sports betting, you just don't know. So you might come across some sort of piece of content where you're like, oh yeah, like I'm, I'm ta- like especially if somebody's passing themselves off as an expert, you're like, oh yeah, I'm tailing this person or not. But if you see more casual content where it's like, okay, this guy's talking like me and my buddies talk, you know, he doesn't really know anything. Then I think it, it mitigates a lot of the damage that can be caused by, by producing that content. But do people still tail those, those picks? I believe right. they did. I believe they, they do. They, they do, do because they want the sense of community, right? Yeah. Like they like want to cheer off the bat. Exactly. They want to cheer with a group of people or they want to cheer against, uh, or, you know, it's, that's why Trent's so big, man. Like, book it, Trent. That guy's uh, like, got, honestly, I've talked to him multiple times. The guy's actually hilarious. Like, his content yeah. is so funny when he's doing like the the key, like the bam. It's so it's yeah. literally hilarious. Like, I I don't see how. Obviously, he's not like he's not gambling with an edge right now or anything like that. Although he is improving. I've seen like I hear some of the stuff he says now, and I'm like, okay, he's like he's learning a little. He's learning a little now. But um, either way, it's like. It's fun, and he's not marketing himself as like. I mean, I guess he does say like, "Bet the house, bet the farm, mortgage, everything." But he's he is joking. Like you can tell he's joking. Obviously, you know he. I've I've actually like you know one of the first days that he he had like no followers at this time or not many, and 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 they introduced this like book it HQ like social media, and I I replied, "This is the worst business idea I've ever heard," and but, and and he did. I stand by that in some regards, like well, but his he business has went created. Out of you're right. You're right, Joey. Like, and sorry to cut your cut you off, but like, book it is Trent. Like, there's no yes. product anymore. It's just Trent. That that is what book. So, like, the business idea was actually not a great one, but Trent has developed himself as a huge creator. His initial business was an app where you could post like TikTok videos for sports betting, and it would just be on its own app and stuff like that. And then they had like all this sweat games. Yeah, but it wasn't it wasn't actually like built well, and obviously like building a separate app platform for something like social media is very extremely difficult. Right. So I don't think that worked. I, I don't even think they pushed the app anymore. Now they're just like a content co the surgical yeah. stream and his thing, which, which does, yeah. uh, does pretty, pretty big numbies. Yeah. I mean, the guy has more followers than drafting Sportsbook. I think that's and on Twitter on TikTok's he, even bigger. Yeah. And so like, and if you notice like anyone who's in his like little community who like does these, they start using the same like verbiage as he does. Like 
oh, this team stole my coins. And this, and, and he is like, they just follow what he says. He is like, honestly, the guy is so smart. I have so much respect for him. Like, and I was like, I've messaged him like, dude, I like talk sh- crap, but like you're, you, you, you win. You, you are, you made it, I guess. Like, but is he like a sharp gambler? No, but he, he's a content creator and that needs to be like a distinction in, in so many ways. Like when, when we grew up and not, you know, there was no content creators, but now it's like, why even bother to try to be a better, just be a content creator. I, I somewhat agree with that. Actually, I agree with that in a lot of ways. Like people are always asking me like, Oh, Rob, how do I, you know, how, how do I become a sharp better? I want to do this. I want to do that. And it's like, why? Like there's so many other ways that you can leverage the, the Joey, have you the, seen Luke's locks? Is that on your guys? Yeah. Yes. Have you seen it's Luke's locks yet or no? Yeah. I saw him. I saw him eat the pepper. <laughs> okay, good. What are your thoughts so far on the show? I enjoy the guy's good. I mean, like, that's the thing is like, it's almost like to be a content creator is like to be someone who, who like is trying to get accounts. Like you're trying to like convince these people that you are this like, I don't want to use the word like scam, but like you're trying to convince them like to be in your cult and like, it's probably way harder than like, so a guy like Jake Paul and like Logan Paul, obviously like I'm a big fans of both of them and what they've done. And like, what I say is like, it's no, it's not a mistake. Like also those guys had to eat shit for a bit before they actually came up. And so did Trent, by the way. So Trent, I like, he followed us early on when he was starting book it was around the same time we launched Betstamp, and obviously like um you know we're still running the app and doing quite well but in terms of like his stuff obviously he shifted to the content he was posting that content and for those who don't know trent was posting that same content and i don't mean to like this is not an insult trent if you're watching this like trent was eating shit for fucking a year he sucked for a mm-hmm. year. Nobody, he got no followers. He's posting the exact same content he's posting now with like three team parlays, whatever, trying to do little sticks, posting his plays, videos. He didn't take off. They had live moods on um, Book It and she grew the following, ended up leaving. And then Trent was like, all right, well, because he used to be like, he used to call himself like CEO, like Book It CEO. Be like, it's, yeah. I think that was even it's his- It's a very Portnoy-ish I think uh, that was yeah. like his Twitter as well, right? And then he switched it to Book It with Trent and he became like, he stepped down as CEO and he just started doing content instead of Live Moods. And he's like f- probably a hundred times bigger than her now. Not in terms of following, but in terms of like actual pull right now. Well, she's done well for herself too. Like she's amassed a very large following. She got connected with the volume with Colin Cowher. She did well too, of course. You, you know, the, the thing I, I truly respect about Trent- and a lot of people will just rag on that type of content. Now, obviously, we've discussed this ad nauseum. There's a large market for that type of content. Trent, to me, does not misrepresent himself in any way. He films videos about him losing bets and being mm-hmm. like, you know, he'll, he'll go 0-5 in a nut. He literally got reverse swept on a money line parlay this week of all favorites. He picked five NFL favorites and they all lost. Lots of people would run and hide from that or like people would attack them and they would be like, they'd get on the defensive. He just owns it. He's like, yeah, like, you know, whatever. Like it was a horrible yeah. day. I'm not, I'm not great. And, and I, I, it's very refreshing to see someone take the path of just being real with the, with the audience. Yeah. Like he, he's, I, I don't want to use the word degenerate because I, I don't know Trent well enough to say that, but he obviously enjoys betting. He obviously yeah. is not good at it. He's obviously owning all of that. 
and he's now monetizing through content. And I think that's great. Honest, I, I, I think good for him because you could have gone down the path of like doing the, the infomercials like, you know, uh, Vegas Dave. Vegas Dave is a, like the Cabo airport now when you land in Mexico. You see the biggest advertisement yeah. for this guy everywhere. Could have went down that path. And instead he's just like, no, I'm just going to put out real content. And uh, I, I, I genuinely respect that. I know there's people that will disagree with me and everyone's entitled to their opinion. But I think when you produce entertaining content in that fashion, I think it's great. I think it's just great for, oh, for sports betting. I, I completely agree. And if you're 20, if you're 24, you want to be like, a sense of that community and like just tailing them for like 10, like with the boys and those things, like that's what they say, like, and it's fun for them. And like, some of them are going to take, you know, like, like any small sample, like you're going to have one outlier who probably loses too much and chases and does those things, but he would do the same thing if he was following you or following me or following anyone. And at the end of the day, like they, especially with COVID, like it is like, taken away so much sense of community to like be in that little bucket community. Like these kids love it. And like, you see the videos of him, like at stadiums being recognized, like the guy is like a branding genius. Like yeah, end of the day, well. David Vegas, Dave's a branding genius. But, but he does it right. in a different way, which I, I completely disrespect. Like obviously no, Vegas, you, I, Davis, respect, I respect, or you're saying you disrespect v- Vegas. Dave is making a killing. Let's be real here. Yes. He, 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 but he's, he knows he, is intentionally misleading people. Like he is a scam artist through and through. Yes. He knows what he's doing. He knows he's scamming people and he is he is content to make his money that way, which I'm sure there were pe- there's a lot of people out there that if they could be in Vegas Dave's shoes, they would do the exact same thing. I'm personally not one of those people. So I, you know, I can't, but he, he's just a, a like, he, he's a piece of garbage human being to do what he's yeah. doing. Whereas like anyone who wants to compare Trent to that, it's, it's there's not even a comparison. It's like, you know, that's one person is, is just trying to produce entertaining content and doing it in a way to build a sense of community uh, and not misrepresenting himself. The other is flat out just running a fucking scheme where, yeah. you know, he's preying on people who don't know any better. Time out for a sec. If you guys haven't checked out Luke's Locks, actually check it out. This is not supposed to be a mid-roll advertisement. It is one of the funniest shows. Basically what it is, is um, it's Luke's Locks. He's got a locker. And um, the way it works is Luke, our guy, he makes a pick every Monday and Thursday for the primetime football games on Thursday night and Monday night football. He puts something at stake every week. Week one, it was if I lose this, I got to mow the, the lawn at the office. There's a big lawn. So he's going to waste his time going out mowing the lawn. He won the pick. So if he wins the pick, he gets some cash and he doesn't have to do his challenge. Week two, he bet that if he lost, he had to wax his leg. He lost his pick. Got a full leg wax, like full full start. Incredible content. Go watch the video. It's funny. We, um, set third pick, he did. If he loses, he has to eat a ghost pepper. Did it. Obviously, we take side bets on the stuff as well. Um, myself, I was in a side bet. Like, will he cry when he got the wax? Didn't cry. I cashed out on that. Um, also, you know, some, some other stuff we had. And then um, for his recent pick, Monday, he risked if he loses, he's going to get his ear pierced. Is he going too far? Right now, for this low in the show, for this like level. Luke, it's week two, man. Settle down, buddy. Like, but <laughs> the ear the, the fears, like, thank God he won. Like, he he, he risked it on an Eagles bet, too. It, it wasn't like they were two and a half point favorites. It wasn't like he was betting this on like a minus a thousand. The, th- the funny thing about it is, we, we filmed demos to this prior to the season. So we ran like a, a behind, they never saw the airwaves, but we saw uh, 
preseason, Luke's locks, right? And he was doing stuff like, okay, like I'm going to risk my headphones, right? Which is valuable to him because he's always wearing his headphones. He, <laughs> he, he had a flight that week and he couldn't take his headphones with him because he lost the pick and he was miserable or whatever. Then, you know, one, one of the episodes is like, I'm going to risk, he put his coffee cup in there. He's like, I won't drink coffee for this week, which he's reliant on well, coffee as well. So like, those are those, but now it's like week two of the season. I'm going to, he's walking around the office. Like, yeah, you know, if he hates the Toronto Maple Leafs. Yeah. You know, I I think I'm going to do like, if I lose this week, I'm going to get a Maple Leafs tattoo or what. I'm like, what are you doing? (laughs) Yeah. I'm like, but it's week three. You're going to have to up up this every week. So we're going to, we're going to try to scale it back a little bit. And, and by the way, it should be noted for those out there, like anyone who wants to think like, oh, they're forcing this guy to do this. He's the one recommending all these things. We're trying to scale it back and being like, Luke, no, it's, it's okay. We had to Calm talk down. him out of some stuff. Oh, like, you want to, we'll, we'll eventually do that one that he, we talked him out of. If he still wants to do it, if he like is pushing for it, we'll do it. But we have, um, this show is actually going to be huge. Luke is a character. He's the funniest guy. Everyone who watches it loves this show. Check it out. You can find it on the Betstamp Instagram and the Betstamp TikTok or on Betstamp Twitter, Hammer HQ at, uh, at the Hammer HQ on Twitter. Give it a follow. Um, hilarious. We got to plug it. Like that actually is the funniest show yeah. we have right now. It's, it's, it's great. It's I, a minute. minute I, clips. Freshman, my freshman dorm, there was a kid who needed money to pay for his ed, uh, education. And he would do anything for five bucks. And every week, everyone was trying to come up with new things to do. And we'd all pitch in five bucks and he would do it. And it got by like week four it was just too insane we were like this is let's just all give him five bucks like (laughs) like we don't actually want to see you do this stuff anymore like just have the five dollars yeah uh he chugged a bottle of soy sauce this big and then he mixed it with like nacho cheese sauce and it was like he was in the bathroom for like a day or two straight we were like this is messed up this this guy made 25 dollars to literally like get and then he ate live goldfish it was like okay this is like animal cruelty like it was bad uh, I had so I knew someone who did a, a very similar bet to eat a live goldfish for 500 bucks and they ended up getting a tapeworm from it. Yeah. Well. This guy got sick too. Lost like 30 pounds, had to get hospitalized for 500 bucks. I was not a part of that bet. Nobody accused me of anything. I heard this. This was a fellow coworker of mine when I was back at the score who told the story to everybody, but uh, just tapeworm. in case I don't want to get like people coming out. Yeah. It's gross. Like it's actually disgusting. Yeah. For, for nothing. Yeah. This guy's like a software developer who's making like 150K a year and takes like a $500 bet to eat a goldfish. Well, that's, yeah. That's yeah. ridiculous. Okay, Joey, we're going to close off here. Thanks so much for the time. Uh, it's, it's, been, uh, it's been a while. It's a longer episode. Thank you very much. We appreciate you coming on. Uh, our closing question is one that we ask to every guest. And the question is, if you could go back just five measly years, you mentioned you're 37. So when you're 32 years old, um, mm-hmm. and talk to that 36. 30, sorry, 36. So oh. if you could go back to the 31 year old version of yourself, what piece of advice would you give them? Are we talking life or betting? Either, oh, either, or, or both, whatever you want to provide, drop some knowledge. So 31, I met my wife around that time. So I have to say, I would say to myself, you should marry her in case she decides to listen. <laughs> There's no way she listens to the end though, but maybe her dad will. So I would say lock, put a ring on it. Uh, and then, you know, honestly, like, man, it's so hard. Five years is a long time. Like you don't realize it. Like, you know, we had never heard of like, I hate to like be nostalgic, but like, you never know what's going to come. Like coronavirus came, I guess, like, I guess I'll tie in betting. Like, you know, uncertainty is going to create like the biggest opportunities for you. So like, 
you know, just learn every day uh, to become like a, you know, smarter, listen to everyone and, uh, you know, just do your best, you know, like in terms of like end of MLB season, like there's going to be great opportunities with like crazy lineups in the last, uh, you know, weeks, like this guy's usually bats eighth and he's going to bat first, you know, like go Russian click over 0.5 bases minus 120 when it's, you know, that's what's set when he usually bats eighth or ninth. So like uncertainty is going to create, you know, good opportunities in life and uh, good opportunities in betting. And I guess the last thing I will say uh, is I think at 31, I thought, oh, I want to be betting forever. You know, this is great. And I think at 36, I can't wait to get out. So I will announce this to you guys. If I do win Circus Survivor, I'm out. Michael Jordan wow. style, six million, and I'm done. Never gonna place a bet again in my life. Yeah, but if you're picking the chalk every yeah, week, you're, you're gonna, gonna win split with like four hundred people. So I mean, you're not you're not gonna be able to no. get out on that. How much you have to win to get out in Circus Million? In Circus Survivor, six, six million. I so thought it was. I thought. You know, I'm going to sue my proxy because he told me if I win, I get $6 million. Well, technically, if you're a solo winner, you get $6 million. I just assumed that everyone who wins gets $6 million. That well, I think that I thought they're... I thought they're crushing it over there at Circa. Everyone is like <laughs> talks about how great it is. And, you know, I can't believe how nice this pool is. They did have an overlay in the Circa Millions, but you're not in that contest. Yeah, yeah I'm not in that. Next year, maybe. But, if you win the circle millions, yeah. you do actually win the prize. Correct. I, but but like there's a yeah. surprise. But anyways, so how um, much how ahead. much would it take to get out? Yeah. I think if I split it, maybe, but I don't know how much it would be after taxes. If it's like one four, I'm probably not out. But okay, you seem you seem like a perfect guy to ask. Also, the billion dollar flip. If you got the you listen to previous episodes, obviously here. So if you had a flip of a coin, fair coin for a billion dollars, if you win or lose mm-hmm. or zero, win it win it's a billion lose at zero what's your buyout like how much are you accepting a buyout there then a billion one billion with a b yeah how much would it cost me to not and i can i can i can choose a number and i can say okay for for this much money i forego the opportunity to flip a coin for a billion so obviously 500 million is your ev yeah 500 million is the ev but i would take i would take 80 million 80 million 80 so so here's yeah. my thing i here. bet i now, could get you down to 10 yeah. no no time out for a second here joey so you take 80 million what's your your lowest possible amount that you're taking yeah i think 80 million so is you're about, not taking you're not taking 79 million i don't know i'd have to think about it I think it's 50, <laughs> 50. you know here's the thing this is funny because a really rich person asked me recently how much money do you consider this is a, he it was a completely serious question too he goes how much money do you consider someone who's rich and I said, and then obviously it's different in LA than everywhere else. And I said, because he said LA, and I said, I think someone who has five to 10 million. And he goes, I wasn't even thinking over a hundred. So I, I, it's. See, like I would think of it in terms of not the actual dollar amount, but the percentile. But what can you buy with 5 million? That what? How is your life different with 5 million versus like, just grinding out a paycheck. It's not that much different. It, it, it is different because like someone grinding out a paycheck. Like- I'm so sorry, sorry. I'm not talking about grinding out a paycheck. I'm talking about Joey specifically. So like how you right now, you're not grinding out a paycheck, but you're grinding edges. You obviously have money. You have 
enough money that you're not, and again, maybe I'm generalizing here, but enough money where you're, you're definitely not struggling for your meals. You're not worried about, Hey, if I have kids, I'm not going to be able to put them through school, stuff like that. So how is your life different if you get an extra 5 million versus what you have now? And by the way, I'm very clear when I say this, like if you have no money and you are struggling to pay rent, then like 1 million, that to 1 million is the biggest jump you're going to have for sure. But from you to an, an additional five, is that a big jump in your life? You think? Yeah. I mean, I would just, I would try to get as much real estate as I can and just live the exact same life. But so there you go. So you're still living the same life. But just so it's, a it's you just have an investment opportunity that you wouldn't have had with less essentially. Yeah. yeah. But like, fair enough. But like when you're saying you're like talking, that, you're talking about, you're talking about circus survivor. Yeah, exactly. I mean, like, here's the thing. Here's the thing is like, if I can't make money, I can't retire with, with, winning circus survivor three million split right no, yeah. i'd have so to find a way to, to invest money. that and have some like cash flow i guess or something like that but but if i can't figure if i can't figure out like a way to make money then then yeah i'd have to do something for money again like i would think like you know maybe i do like content or something like you know like you don't have to like just do like the 24 7 betting thing if I, if I got offered the, the billion dollar flip, I'm flipping the coin. If I win sit, sunset sailing, if I lose, I'm going to be a speaker at high schools about how I had a chance to win a billion dollars <laughs> and I flipped the coin that, a lot. What, I'm going so to be a speaker for like gamblers and not for like a gambling uh, hotline. Here's, here's a number at what, cause I, I say this about really rich people. If you have a certain amount of money, I think you have the like, the, not the ability, but like the responsibility to change the world. A billion dollars, you're you have life changing, like world changing money. Like whether it's you know climate change or whatever. Like at what number are are you a world changer? Basically, yeah, to me, no, that's, that's what I million. said as well. Oh, you said eighty mil is a world changer. I think 80 at eighty million, million, you're a world changer. Eighty mil, you're barely buying a mansion, yacht, and a jet. No, change the world. No, I'm kidding. No way. That was just 80, a joke. <laughs> 80 million, 80 million you're making, you're making like four or 5 million a year by interest. It's true. Yeah. Fair, no, fair enough. Obviously 80, you can, you can do some serious damage on the investment front. Yeah. So I, I, I agree with that. I mean, yeah, I still don't actually know what I would take. I feel like it changes every day. See, well, like my number changes, my number changes depending on whether or not my wife knows that I have yeah. this opportunity available to me. <laughs> Because if I said, That's no, like I'm not taking 10 million, she would just stab me on the spot and be like, yeah, I'll take the 10 million. You can, you know, whatever, like forget this guy. So like my, my personal risk tolerance is much higher. So I take, you know, a larger amount, but, and I assume that you're in a, a position, obviously being a married man where, you know, if it's you versus, I don't, I don't want to make assumptions actually. I shouldn't make assumptions, but yeah, there's, there's more to it than just myself as well which complicates the matter even more. Yeah, fair enough. I mean, I guess it's nice to not be married. <laughs> this, this is this is an individual thing. Like, it's like, you got to tell your wife, like, I'm making this choice. Like, yeah. But like, yeah, I, I guess, I guess you're right. Like, it is kind of, it's kind of like, what, how do you, how do you feel exactly? Like, isn't it kind of nice to not be married? You don't have to like, deal, <laughs> you don't have to like run a decision through like another person. Like that's, I'm, I'm actually being serious here. Like, it's kind of like, I didn't, I don't realize it because I've never been married. I'm, I'm a little younger well, than you, but it's crazy. I think, I think here, here's some, here's life, some life advice, right? Be careful. Your father-in-law might be, might listen to the end of this. <laughs> yeah, he, he, he's my number one fan. Now you find someone, you find someone that you're going to have the same decision as. Yeah. 
Fair enough. That's some knowledge, right? I did. I didn't find that person. (laughs) If you if you're gonna if you're gonna disagree about like the things like that, it's just maybe not gonna be as smooth as. That's that's what I'm gonna transition to. I'm gonna transition to a a relationship expert. My father-in-law does not listen. Does not listen to this show. So I did not find that person. That's not to say I'm not happily married. I am. But uh, definitely, there are some disagreements on the uh, monetary front on uh, on several occasions. Several. So he he thinks that the fake name is the funniest thing in the world, <laughs> and he he has a wedding present because I tweeted the night I proposed to my wife. Big announcement coming up later tonight. Stay tuned, Twitter fam. And he got the tweet framed. <laughs> Sitting in our, I'll show you. And he put he gave it to you. That's unreal. Yeah, that's actually a pretty great gift. Like, it's more like of a sentimental value thing. I'm a big fan of those gifts sometimes. Oh. Big announcement. <laughs> one quote one tweet, quote. one like. Oh, probably got it early. Him. Yeah, he got, got it early. early. Wow, he screenshot early. That's hilarious. That is a good one. So. Good on him. Uh, okay, well, we'll wrap he up here. Joey, thanks so much for your time. Uh, it, was a, it was a pleasure to get a chance to meet you. We never met before. Uh, it's awesome, uh, awesome chatting with you. Thank you very much for the nice. time. Uh, and then do you forever, have Twitter? Uh, me personally, I don't have Twitter. I do have a, wow. a burner. I do have a burner. I, I keep it fully anonymous. What do you? Uh, so I was gonna say, what do you do when you go to the bathroom? <laughs> no, 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 no. Listen, listen. I'm not saying I don't read Twitter. I just have a very. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So. I mean, I guess I'll, I'll get into it. Like people have asked me this for so long. Like, why don't you have Twitter? Like I don't post on social media. I ha- I yeah. hate posting. I have an Instagram as well. Yeah. I do not, I have not posted in maybe like five years. I do not want to post. I hate posting and other people knowing about my stuff and like what I'm doing. Um, it has nothing to do with the fact that like, I don't like, I don't have the time for it. I don't have this, like, I don't want to deal with like comments on my posts and like, I, it's fine. If I want to like reach out to someone, obviously like, that is where it's a little bit of a stunt, like to be able to fire a Twitter message or something like that. Yep. I do it through a burner. Now that we have the bet stamp account, if I need to reach out to someone, I'll reach out through that or through like the circles off the account and be like, Hey, this is Johnny. Like mind if I get, yeah. like, can yeah. we talk on I, whatever? I, I mean, anyone can follow Johnny on LinkedIn at any time as well. Yeah. He's but big, also big like, on his LinkedIn account. Okay. Here's another oh. thing. I, no, no, I'm not even <laughs> big on LinkedIn. Just like we obviously do have the business. Like a lot of people yeah. looking for jobs, stuff like that. I went to business school, worked like I've been since, Man, you know how many messages I get on LinkedIn? It's actually insane. Like, I, I get at least, like... Really? De- yeah, like, I have it uh, certified, so, like, I don't read all the messages. It, like, it sends me a message request, and I have to, like, accept them. But I am at least minimum get, like, 15 messages a day on LinkedIn from, like... Rob, people. do you have LinkedIn? Uh, I do, yeah. I, I, I huh. Listen, now, like, my LinkedIn is has become a, a disaster zone of, recruit like, recruiters, right? Whether they're yeah. recruiting me, like, want to recruit me to do other stuff or whether they want to recruit people to bet stamps. So it's not the most useful piece of um, social media for me because I find every time I log into LinkedIn, I spend just half an hour filtering out the fluff. But I, I'm, I'm, huh. on, I'm on every social. It's just a matter of whether or not I, I use it regularly or not. And I'm, I'm a Twitter addict. The more you're on TikTok? You're not I have on TikTok. A, I am on TikTok, yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. The more you put yourself out there, the easier it is to grow and get opportunities. I will say that like not having a Twitter, like obviously I could ellipse a, a, probably a small following even just from this podcast. Like our podcast account has a couple thousand followers, but it's just yeah. like Rob, Rob has get, gotten so many opportunities from just being big on Twitter and for him being able to voice right. his thoughts and other people, you know, essentially being like, yeah, this guy's a cool guy or this guy's a winning better. This guy has all this stuff. And um, mm-hmm. obviously like, I don't get that kind of uh, opportunity. 
just not being on Twitter, but like I'm okay to offset. Like I can't, I can't have everything. And I really just don't want to put the time into running like a full on good social media. I've honestly just too much stuff going on to be able to up. It it almost is a full-time job. Think about what you do with your Twitter, man. Like you got to keep that active Mm -hmm. almost on the daily at a minimum, like retweeting, quote, tweeting, sending messages, responding, like, well, it, it is the amount of consumption on social media day. I, if I checked like my my phone analytics or whatever, there's lots of apps that tell you how long you spend on each app. I don't even want to look at my Twitter because no. and then I'll start adding up the amount I spend over a week, a month, a year. I am very like, that's my habit. I pick up my phone. The first thing I do is unlock it and I open Twitter and refresh. Yeah. And I mean, that's just my natural first behavior. You have, if you're, I mean, if you're betting, you have to like, you, you almost need Twitter because of the like beat writers and the injury, uh, yeah, notifications. And... Yeah. Just notice it's, for sure. And that's, that's the thing. I created a Twitter for like a few days of just those and I got bored and I was like, I'm going back on mine. Uh, but yeah, <laughs> no, I mean, you need Twitter and as, as addicting as it is, but I do have like one rule. I do sleep my phone in like a complete, my phone is in a completely separate area than where I sleep. That's not nice. a bad idea because I, I tech, I am on my phone in bed pretty regularly and then I have yeah. trouble falling asleep. So I might actually uh, pick that up. Try it. If I had like someone, if I had someone to manage my social media, then I would get on social media. If I had like someone to manage it for me, but um, I'm, I'm so, sure I'm so far. Do you realize, do you realize if you said that in the episode, you will get at least 20 messages on LinkedIn from people to do it. Zach, you're gonna have to cut that out, huh? No, <laughs> so like, that's if someone will manage my social for me in a sense of like keep it. I mean, honestly, like I'd love to have a. This is completely unpractical. People are gonna be like, "Wow, this kid's delusional." But if I'd like a someone just like full time videographer following me around all day, everything I did, photos, whatever, and then they manage the social like a, like a straight up celebrity, like a Logan Paul type guy, then yeah, I'd love to get social like you manage it. Fake it till you make it. I'll buddy. keep it in. Like, yeah, I'd love, I'd love right. that. Like hire a full-time videographer and just document no, my whole life. But I'm, no, I'm not to that point yet. No videographer. Let's bet. I say over under 17 messages get oh. sent to you. I'll say over. But for what? From just this clip going out? Like I don't know. From just this clip, I think you will get over 17 requests to do your Twitter. For people to manage my Twitter. Okay. Yes. All right. We will see. If you want to, if you want to contact me, you can contact me on LinkedIn. You can contact me on this, or you can contact me on the circles off Twitter account. DM that one. Cause that one I have access to on my phone. Okay. And if, if it's under 17, do I have to do anything? Um, let's do like drinks at bet bash three or something like that. Okay. Sure. I mean, it isn't I'm, all, all you can drink event, but like <laughs> done, done deal. We'll see. <laughs> okay. I was going to, I was going to get a tattoo. So, so oh, I'm oh, drink. thank you to Joey Isaacs. Thank you to our producer, Zach Phillips. Thank you, Johnny. This has been a monumental episode number 69 of circles off. Please. If you're watching on YouTube, hit that subscribe button, hit that like button. Same thing on every other uh, podcast platform, Spotify, Apple music. We do appreciate the support and we'll talk to everyone next week. 